Welcome back to the Mastering Video Marketing Podcast. I'm Tony Rielli. And I'm Ben Carlson. Hey, Ben. Hey, Tony. In digital marketing, yep. what do you think is the most effective way of using your marketing dollar? Um, I think I've, I've heard that uh, Telegraph is really, okay, yeah. that's, that's, that's the, the, the trend. Is that, trend. is that digital or analog? That, that's the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going backwards. There's kind of that retro <laughs> movement. Now, what do you think is the, the most? Well, there's a term that, I don't know if I coined it, but I've been trying to push it, and that is lead cultivation. So okay. lead generation is a term that's thrown around a ton of business. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the concept of lead generation is basically a lead is somebody that hopefully would be interested in the product or service that your business offers. Yep. And lead generation is the ability to find ways to, to get those leads to, to either get their information so you can try and sell to them or hopefully get them to come to your business. Sure. Um, there are multiple ways to get those. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in today's yeah. episode, but you know, that could be running paid ads. It could be organic content. Um, it could be using a service. There's a lot yeah. of lead generation services. We get emails from them all the time, all the time, um, LinkedIn and everybody, Hey, could your business handle more, more business? You know, like, well, could you handle 20 more customers a month? Yeah. 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 Um, and so, you know, lead generation services, I know some people that have good success with them. I, I have a friend that, that owns a financial company and um, they spend upwards of 50K a year to get really, really warm leads. Sure. Um, and so again, we're going to talk about all these different things moving, moving through it. But so what is lead cultivation? Yeah. Well, lead cultivation is the idea of like a lead gen. A lot of times lead gen is, is just purely get the person, find out if they're going to convert, yeah. move on. And, and a lot of times it, you, even when you pay for those, you know, those services, a lot of times it's. We'll give you the name, the phone number, and their business or their industry. And then it's up to you as the salesperson or your sales team to then go out and convert those leads. Right. Um, you don't know what you're getting. You don't know who you're getting. Some leads are going to be better than others, but that really is just the the end of the generation of the leads. Cultivation, it sounds like, is a lot different. Well, the reason that I think cultivation is such a more important thing than just straight up lead generation is that, again, in, in lead generation, a lot of times you're just... You're getting that information and then they either convert or they don't. And then that's the end of that yeah. saga with that, right. that person. Um, maybe they'll come back around, but like for the most part, it's a either or thing. Sure. Lead cultivation, it, the idea behind it is to continuously warm up that lead and try to get them interested in your product, whether they're ready to buy today or tomorrow sure. or in a year from now. Uh, in theory, you have done a good job of creating uh yeah, the, we, we often say that the, the three steps that you need to guide somebody through in order to get them to be interested in working with you is they need to know you, yeah. they need to like you, and they need to trust you. Yeah. Uh, so obviously know is just, like know you exist. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that can be through ads or content marketing. Um, they need to like you. They need to decide that your personality is somebody that they jive with. Your sure. business, uh, the things that you offer, the uh, style that you offer them, your tone, your failure, yeah. your brand is something that, that they like. And they need to trust you. They need to trust that, like, if I give you money, I'm going to get something that I value in return. Sure. How how would you, what's the, what would you say as a way to, I mean, if these are just people that you're coming across, how do you get them to trust you without, you know, if you're just coming into it, what would you say? Yeah, jumping down right into trust, it's like, you know, expecting, it's like those, um, those, those reality shows where they, they like, you know, marriage at first sight or whatever <laughs> like that, like 
You know, we, yeah. we, all, we laugh at that. We're fascinated by those shows. My wife watches them all the time uh, because it's like, how can you go from nothing to trust? Yeah. Like you haven't gone through that journey. Yeah. And, and, and essentially that's kind of what it is when you throw an ad in front of somebody and then you're like, buy from me. Bye bye. Yes, I've been in business since 1933. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, there are some people that are willing to do that, especially in small ticket items. Like, sure. Here's a widget. This widget's really cool. Yeah. Buy the widget. Yeah. You know, we see Temu. The whole reason that Temu is 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 plaguing the internet with their ads right now is because they have so darn many ads about little widget this, little yeah. widget that. And people are like, I'll buy it. I've never heard of Temu before. And then they find out what they kind of account. Temu, Temu. I don't know. Anyways, don't want to give them any more airspace. They'll be already done. But anyways, the... But higher ticket stuff, coaching services, um, high professional services, yeah, be exactly. Yeah. That that takes a little bit more process. Um, and so, again, the idea behind lead cultivation is that uh, you are continuously warming that lead up to you. You're not putting them in a binary position where it's like either yeah, I'm going to call you, sell you, and you we either do this or we don't. Yeah, um, you want to be putting them in a position where they can get to know your brand. Sure. And, and either you're either oftentimes we'll say like you either need to coach those that don't or poach those that do. Sure. So what that means is when you're poaching those that do, there's people that are already currently doing things like as a video production company, a lot of times we will, you know, we find it much easier, frankly, to find companies that are currently doing video marketing. Yeah. Uh, they either looking for a different vendor or not happy with their current relationship, whatever it might be. Those are easily much easier to convert than somebody that's just not doing it at all. And then we have to try to explain to them the value of that. Right. So poaching those that don't requires a, a much longer sales process. Right. Um, they say poach. Coaching those that I got yeah. It's my own fault for making that too, too <laughs> rhymey. Coaching those that don't requires a longer sales process. And uh, but that's the cool thing about content marketing is is that's the place to do it. That's the yes. best place to coach those that don't because within content marketing, you can continuously put out content that is educating and teaching your your hopefully prospective yeah. customers uh, the, the value of what you do, the necessity of what you do, yeah. and eventually, hopefully, the trust that we talked about sure. of then and saying like, I, I realize I need to do this and I'm going to, I want to work with them because they've taught me so much and they've given away so much value throughout all the content that they put out. And up until, you know, in the age of social media, it was really difficult to do that. The, the goal used to be get them to the sales team, you know, marketing drives to the sales team, the sales teams does the selling. Now we're seeing this shift where if you have a team of 10 people and you're trying to grow your company, those t- how else can you replicate yourself other than by using social media or or digital advertising we should say to be able to get that message out over and over again you know you can take one person have them record some content and start coaching across the internet they don't have to go to all the trade shows they don't have to go and knock on doors and get it you know cold call because there's only so many hours in the day but if you're able to replicate that and you put that across 10,000 100,000 200,000 screens in one day, now th- that digital advertising is doing the work for your sales team. And now we're coming in and people are like, oh, I've at least heard of you. Now I'm interested in finding more, out more. Exactly. And you know, it's, you know, talking about the age of digital marketing, if we go back a little bit, I know they still do it today a little bit, but it was really popular, you know, eighties, nineties and so on the, the infomercial yeah, uh, and how that half hour airtime, you know, you think about how expensive 
a half hour slot on television would be. Right. Now, granted, they would usually put it at non-peak times, you sure. know, Saturday morning, Sunday mornings, those types of things, late nights. But even so, the, the half hour slot of television, how effective that was in order to guide somebody through that sales process, right. to take them through a half hour. And so how do they do it? They, you know, granted, it's a huge, it's a half hour long commercial. Yeah. Why would people watch a half hour long commercial? Well, it's because they, they try to provide some entertainment in it, but they're yeah. also usually teaching something. Right. Here's here's our rotisserie cooker, and yeah. look at how the cool food that you can make with it. Look here's how delicious the recipe that you can do with exactly. it. Exactly. So they are giving some level of value in that to then guides the person into recognizing like they're 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 uh, coaching those that don't. You're like right. I, you don't own that thing right now. Yeah. This is why you might want to consider it because look at all the cool things that it can do. Yeah. You know it's fun just using that as an example. If you think back of like the old the, the Ron Papil, this may be before some of your time, but like the old Ron Papil. They often would have a very similar approach in a 30 minute segment that we put in a 30 second segment mm -hmm. where you'd have a hook. You'd have something that there was something that was grabbing attention, grabbing. Um, and then they would lay out a problem and they'd be like, have you ever been this? And you'd have the clumsy person. Oh, no. Um, and, and then they would go into they would exacerbate the problem. They would kind of explain why this is such a problem and and help guide that customer through like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I really do. I really do have to sit in my kitchen for hours on end. It would be great if there was something that I could just set it and forget it. Yep. And then they offer the solution. Um, and then they go into the offer at the end of it. And it's just, it's interesting how we've kind of Campbell's soup that condensed version down, yep. but the, the equation is still very similar. Exactly. You know, it's also interesting. Uh, you know, I, I was watching a, a TikTok that was talking about that whole process. Yeah. Um, and just a quick side note, uh, the, there's a person that used to work on those infomercials and he had written a script for their company for the infomercial and he brought it to the director and he's like, so this is what I think we should do. And the director's like, no, wait, we already have a script. And then he looked over the script and it was like, idiot, customer does this. You know, so it was just the, the like, and he's like, nobody talks like this and, you know, nobody would, would act like this. And and he's like, this, this people are going to feel dumbed down to it. And he's like, listen. The director is saying to the, to the marketing guy, listen, uh, you don't want to educate in your marketing. Yeah. Um, you want, the reason that that dumb customer works so well is because people like to feel smarter than the thing that they're watching. Sure. Uh, and, and again, you know, it sounds contrary to what we're saying. Well, well, you want to educate, you want to coach those that don't. That is in your content marketing, in your educational resources. But when you're actually doing an ad, yeah. you typically don't want to be ed overly educating. People are, you're typically don't want to be entertained. If they're in the mood to be entertained, they're not always in the mood to be educated. Sure. Um, and so those infomercials, that formula of the dumb person that yeah. is obviously making stupid decisions, uh, that works because then you, you're clicking over something in the brain of a customer that when they feel confident, they're more likely to buy. Yeah, because they trust. Exactly. Yep. And and I think, you know, th what we're finding out now more than ever is the importance of bringing creative into that original process of, you know, we we preach a lot to to our clients where it's, we, we're going to find out who you are. We're going to find out who your customers are. And then it's up to us to make sure that we're identifying correct uh, messaging to get across to that. And if we just come to us with a whole laid out plan, you say, all right, here's everything we need, just shoot us a commercial. We can be so much more effective as creatives when we're in that initial process of like, what messaging works? How how are we approaching this? Are we coming at, at it from the marketing standpoint of, well, we need to have this, this feature and this benefit and this feature and this benefit, and then we will 
you know, really highlight our whole process. No, that's not what people are interested in. So getting creative involved in that early stages will help exponentially grow the whole development of the concept because you're, you're going to be able to, I hate the buzzword, but the symbiotic relationship, symbiotic relationship between uh, creative and marketing come together. Mm -hmm. And now you, you have a powerhouse that's really able to create captivating content that's getting the message across without necessarily being too preachy or too, you know, too um, talking down or too informational. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, we talked about what is lead gen. We talked about what is lead cultivation. Yeah. Um, you know, and we mentioned like that, you know, the cost of lead gen can be expensive. You know, again, there's a ton of lead gen services. There's some businesses that that's our whole model is, yeah. is lead generation. And, you know, we considered the possibility of it. The truth is we prefer to build systems for our customers that effectively are doing lead generation right. and lead cultivation rather than going over the side here. Cause again, the model typically for lead gen is that they have these leads and they will buy, find somebody to buy it. Yeah. And then they'll, and if you don't buy them, then they'll all find another company that will. Right. And, you know, again, so for us, it's like, we want to help our customers build an effective lead cultivation and lead generation system that can work for them long-term. Sure. Uh, and, and so they get what they get. It's not like they're, you're, you, you get, you paid 20 or you get, you know, whatever you want more, you got to pay more yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's all about the efficacy of it. Right. Um, and that boils down to the difference between warden and cold leads. Yeah. Uh, now some lead generation services, you, you pay for different quality of the leads. Yes. So, so. What is the quality of a lead? You know, the difference between, again, the warm and cold and how warm they are. Are they lukewarm? Are they lava hot? Sure. You know, yeah. Like what, talk about what the difference in, in warmth of a, of a lead would be. You know, one thing we talk about, <clears throat> one thing we talk about all the time, you know, we use the analogy of if you, if you want a thousand leads, give away an iPad and you will have a thousand people that are really interested in an iPad. And, but if you want quality leads, maybe you only get 10. But those 10 qualified leads are going to be so much more impactful than that thousand that really don't care about you, don't really care about your company, and you're just kind of wasting your dollars. That rolls over also into like your content marketing. Team. Absolutely. Because like, you know, we'll often say, I would rather have a few hundred views from people that are really interested in our product and service yeah. than a million views because like you blew up from a clever sure. twerking video or something like that. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily translate because also when you, the, the algorithm's like, oh, look at all these people like their stuff, show this next batch of stuff to their, to those same people and your viewership goes down because it's yep. not you twerking again. Yeah. Then all of a sudden the algorithm's like, well, I guess con their content isn't that good. Sure. So you still, you know, numbers, like quantity of numbers is definitely not everything. Yeah. The quality is definitely much more important with that. Um, and, and that's why, you know, again, with this type of, uh, lead cultivation practice, what we're doing and what we're encouraging our customers to do is to create that library of content, whether again, from organic or from the, the proper type of paid advertising yeah. that can, uh, continuously cycle these people through and give them the, give them a, a good understanding and familiarity with you and your brand. Uh, a great example. So, like, we're, we're talking about all this, but what is ROI? Yeah, what is ROI? I, I, this, we have lots of different stories, but the probably the simplest story I've heard is just there's a client that was doing the, uh, you know, lead gen um, and uh, just, you know, lead forms on Facebook marketing. Yeah. And to get a conversion rate, it was costing them on average about $100 per conversion. Right. 
Um, they, and that was, those were the cold leads. So never heard about them, never did anything to convert over to, um, either signing up for like a, a uh, a sales funnel or a book your call or whatever it might be hundred bucks on average. And just that's to clarify, the, they did get leads. Yeah. They did, but it cost them a hundred dollars right. per. When they started going after a warm audience. So one that had seen, uh, their content that they had been regularly, uh, creating organic content to uh, the cost of lead gen went down to, or cost per conversion dropped to $20, yeah, under crazy. $20. That's crazy. So in that example, it's a fifth of the cost. Now let's multiply that. Yeah, right. Let's say that you're, you have a $10,000 a month advertising budget. Right. Um, if you were doing that, you might, you know, out of that hundred, you might get a hundred leads yeah. on, on the other system. The other one, you get 500 leads. Yeah. Or if you do it the opposite direction, Let's say that you, you know, you're looking now to get the same hundred leads. It's costing you $2,000 instead of $10,000. Yeah. So that $8,000 you could be putting into better creative, into better marketing services, into, uh, you know, whatever, more quality. There's so many things you can do with eight grand. I don't have to tell you. Uh, So the idea is like, some people get like a little apprehensive when they're going to put more money into creative. Yeah. Just putting content out there. Oh my gosh, you know, we just, we just need content. How many times have we seen that on TV stations that they like, one of our biggest competitions on for small businesses has been the TV stations that are like, you know, we'll, we'll, you pay for the airtime, we'll throw on the production for free. Yeah. You know, how, as a production company, how do you compete against that? Well, but then you see the ads that they do right. where it's just, they sending in Joe Blow, camera operator, no offense to him. I'm sure he does a great job yeah. as in, in uh, capturing those those reporters, but he's usually not a marketing expert. Right. He's there just to point a camera at something. And so he literally shows up, pans the room, yeah. does a few shots of the thing, and then throws it up on, on their teeth. And, the, and the, I'm sure they still get, air, you know, conversions. Yep, they get absolutely. people that walk through the door, and yeah. so they justify it. But how much better... How many more conversions right. do they have for the same dollar of, of spend for the advertising if the creative was much more good at, at targeting the ideal customer and, and creating a, a, a message that really, really warms them up? And Tony, we've even seen other video production companies that, you know, we've worked with clients that have worked with other video production companies. And when when we go through our process the and we help coach them and we're doing creating this organic content and some of these ads... They say, why, why did no one ever tell us? Like, why did no one ever direct us? Why they just captured whatever we said and slapped it together and made a cool looking video, but the, they missed out on that huge part and where the value is, is helping to direct your clients and helping direct even yourselves and your marketing to be very specific and intentional with your messaging and the wording that you choose. Exactly. So. Last thing I'll mention is, you know, how do, how do you actually cultivate these leads? You know, we've been talking about the importance of lead cultivation. Um, the first and foremost is is content marketing. Yeah. And and too many businesses throw that in the back burner. Yeah. They don't value it. I so many customers that we interact with, like they they think like this is not. I no, none of my customers are on YouTube or Facebook or yeah. Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever. They're they're not consuming this type of content. Uh, you know, and and. It's that cyclical idea we're not doing it, and so we would we don't currently have results from it. So right. why would we do it? Because we we don't value it and we don't get results. Or even more dangerous. Oh, we tried it once, and we we threw up a couple pictures, or we spent fifteen thousand dollars on a commercial and tried it, but it didn't work. So obviously, therefore, social media doesn't work. Yeah. 
um, I, I just want to encourage you out there that have that mindset. There are thousands, tens of thousands of companies making billions of dollars on social media. It works if you implement it correctly. Right. The big thing about content marketing, the, the, there's a pro, major pro and a con. The mo, if you were like to, to like strip it all down to what's the biggest pro and the biggest con. The biggest pro is that unlike ads where when you turn off the faucet, mm-hmm. it stops. Yep. Content marketing can live on. It just keeps going. Right. Yep. I, I, for example, we have a, a video on our YouTube channel, uh, uh, Filmmaking 101. I literally was at a conference one time. Uh, we were, I was asked to, to speak at a, at a filmmaking uh, uh, film festival. Yeah. And uh, we, I, I put together a presentation. I was one of the multiple speakers. Sean also spoke at it. And I was like, ah, oh, last minute, I'm like, I'll bring my camera, shoot it. It uh, quality wasn't that great. They, they turned off the lights halfway through. <laughs> so then, like, I had to bump it up and post. It was very meh. Yeah. And there are plenty of people that have commented complaining about that. <laughs> but the content was good. Everything yeah. we talked about was really good. It got a few thousand views over the years. And then a few years back, it just spiked and got hundreds of thousands now. It's almost to 2 million views. Yeah. And that video, you know, it was something that I did. I, I uploaded that video, I think, in 2012. Yeah. It is 2023 right now. And it was only a few years ago that it jumped up. Yeah, I think it, it took quite. nine years for yeah. it to really take off. Yeah. Right. So the biggest pro is that when you turn off that faucet, unlike ads, you know, you, they, they continue to live on and it could suddenly years from now, you, your content could take off. And they could, and people will still be able to find you. But that's also the biggest con. Sure. Is that this is typically long-term marketing. Mm. This is the thing that uh, you can't think about, what am I going to get in a month or sure. in six months or a year? You have to be really thinking down the road, one, two, three, four years. Yeah. And you, because the thing that we always tell our customers is like, you know, are you, do you plan on being in business in five years? Right. Exactly. Uh, so if the answer is yes, then you should be doing this now. Yeah. Not later, not when we think about it. It's like your health. You know, I, you know, I, I, uh, recently been doing keto and been exercising a lot more and I've lost, you know, over 60 pounds by doing that. I could at any point in time been like, you know, I, I'm not going to get results immediately. So when should I do it? Like the answer is if I want the results, yeah, I need to start today. Yeah, not tomorrow, not in a month, because I, I, you know, you know, when will you get the results? I don't know. Yeah, I'm still working at it. I'm still exercising. I'm still dieting um, to get to the goal that I want to be. But I, I, I couldn't be like, oh, it's going to happen in one month or yeah. in, in however many time. Like, it just and happened. It didn't happen in three months. Ah, yeah, this must not be worth it. It's not worth it. Exactly. Yeah. So then moving over to the other half of the equation is paid advertising. And that's typically, we, we say, you know, organic is typically long-term, paid is short-term. Yeah. And if you have a healthy approach to both, then you are really, really maximizing your marketing dollar. Yeah. The analogy that we use a lot of times is like building a, building a fire. If you're building a campfire, the kindling are those, those paid ads that, you know, you, they're little, they're small little bite-sized chunks that you, you have to tend to, and you can really monitor and, and that really gets the fire going. And the long-term organic marketing uh, content are those big logs that you put on after. And it, you can you can build a fire with just big logs and you can build a fire with just little kindling. Both are going to take a concerted amount of effort either way that you do it. And to carry that analogy further, you can, you keep, if you do the kindling, you have to keep throwing kindling. Yeah. Not, right. Nonstop. You can't walk away from that fire. You just got to keep spitting it out there. Because otherwise it's just going to burn out. Right. And if you only, if you have no kindling and you just have the logs, you have to sit there and with a match and let that for, for a really, really long yeah. time. And so again, the same thing is like, if you think about 
the fire, your your match being your your initial fuel or whatever, the amount of effort that you got to keep pouring into organic and then without it actually translating into anything back for you, right. any warmth or heat or you know growth for your business, it's going to take a lot longer for that to eventually do it. So having both together, absolutely, you do get the, that mutual results and then that can actually provide that growth for your business that you need. But um, the thing about paid advertising also is that you can really hone in on uh, results and, and start to adapt your strategy much faster too. Yeah. Organic, sometimes people get like huge results initially, but yeah. more often than not, it's going to be a trickle thing. And so if you're trying to figure out what what is the message that my audience is responding to best, you know, we always recommend split testing and A-B testing our content. And you can do that organically. It just takes longer. Right. Um, but if you split test your uh, against paid ads, then you're at a much better place to be like, oh, this is the stuff that's absolutely working the fastest. Yep. So one thing that we, and for several clients we work with, and here's our, our last little tip of the day is um, using paid ads as a way to push your, um, your organic type content. Yep. So oftentimes what we'll do is like, we'll do shorts for customers and we'll do like a, a tiered approach. So for example, we might have a customer that that you know has a service that they offer, and we will do ads that are are super uh, value based, have no call to action, solely so, value based. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, here, uh, here, if you're looking to do something like this, here's what we recommend. Here's some tips on how to approach that. You know, so like say if it's a lawn care company, you know, here's some best practices on how to take care of your lawn. Top three things you need to do this summer to keep your right, lawn looking right. great. Exactly. And then for people that watch that to a certain, and you might be, if you want to qualify the area. So like, say, you know, you're only, you're, you only service the Green Bay market. So let's get, let's say, oh, you know, in, in Green Bay, top things you can do in, in the Midwest to help or, or yep. Green Bay or Wisconsin or whatever like that to take care of your lot. Because that then now it qualifies me specifically that, oh, this is advice for somebody that's in our area as opposed to in LA or something right. like that. That's a very different lawn care. Correct. Yeah. Um, so then- what you can do is then after that retargeting it. So you have a, a series of value-based ads um, that can be, uh, you know, usually we recommend more than one. You want to r- run five, 10 out of these ads in uh, succession so that they can see um, your, you, they can get to that, that no like trust. So they like you. Exactly. Yep. So that you're, they're knowing you, they're liking you. And hopefully if they're starting to tick over into that trust zone and then you do retargeting it. I just want to touch on this really quick though. This is this is the key, is that value added, that value-based content that you're giving away absolutely free is how you build that trust. Exactly. So many people just jump straight into the pitch and it's like, well, they know me, they like me, they like what I'm doing, I'm getting the views, so here is the sales pitch and it's people scrolling past. Yeah. And and we highly recommend in that first batch of ads, there is zero, zero call to action. Zero. Now you can definitely name drop. You can name drop your expertise and be like, hey, I'm such and such lawn care yeah. company and, and this is what we've been helping our customers with. Right. But, but zero call to action in that. It's just sharing your expertise, sharing pure value. And then in the retargeting ads, you can then go in and say, all right, so people that have watched this ad for five seconds, the previous batch of ads, five, 10, you, you pick the, the amount yeah. of time. But you don't want it to be like under three because that's almost everybody. Right. Um, usually you want to be people that have come in. The higher your ticket, usually the the harder you want it to be. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if your lawn care service is 100 bucks a month, great. If your lawn care service is $2,000 a month, maybe that you want them to be able to watch that video 20, 20 30 right. seconds in. Um, 
And then anyway, so then that next retargeting bunch of ads, the people that have watched your ad long enough, they've gotten to that, hopefully know, maybe like, and yeah. maybe even trust point. That next one is then you go in with a value plus call to action. Sure. So, hey, we are helping our customers get great lawn care. They can sit back, relax, you know, solving whatever problem that your customers typically have. Still solving a problem, still right. offering that value, absolutely. And, you know, and so now they've gotten to know you and like you from your free stuff. Now they're comfortable seeing your actual call to action. Yeah. And this formula has worked super well for a lot of our clients. Yep. And it's really easy because we're not asking you to produce this high quality, you know, national Nike, Pepsi, whatever quality ad. Yeah. This is all organic content. It right. can be done um, in you know in a style. It can be on your cell phone. It can be at an you know, inexpensive camera, um, but it looks organic. You're just using the paid platform to get it in front of more people and hopefully the right people. Because right. what you're doing is you're qualifying that people. the The hook we often say is that's that the hook is there to do two things: is to stop the scroll and to qualify your audience. Yeah. And if in that first five seconds you can do that, so again, why we might name drop Green Bay isn't because uh, you know, we're trying to, you know, say, okay, this is all, this advice is only for people in the Green Bay area. It's you want the people that you're pay, doing a paid ad in front of. Oh, I'm in Green Bay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we do that for Arcade all the time. Hey, Green Bay, you know, this Green Bay loves Edge VR Arcade. You know, I, we, we mentioned Green Bay in the title because otherwise it can feel very easily a, like the, you know, especially higher quality ads. Yeah. Some people tune that out because it looks, so overly produced, yep. like that's a different market. You know, for our VR arcade, we want to emphasize we're in Green Bay. Yep. Not in Milwaukee, not in Chicago. You're right, right around the corner. So we call out Green Bay right away so that those people are, are paying attention to it. Right. So, you know, lead cultivation, just to wrap everything up, it's not necessarily this special formula. It's an approach to your content, both paid and organic. And I think it's, again, because... Lead gen is, is a term that's thrown around so much. I, and it's, it's a very important part of business. Yeah. I know some people, businesses that, that without that service, they wouldn't exist. Right. Uh, but I think that we can't be so binary about it. We can't be like all the, these leads are there to get a sale or not. Yeah. Like the lead cultivation, especially when you, as you generate that, you might have call to actions that might bring people to a sales funnel uh, lead magnet, like, you know, a, a webinar, ebook, whatever it might be. Yeah. You then funnel these people also into your email marketing or SMS marketing. And that can be a great place to continue to warm them. But in that, always be giving value, yeah. always be giving value in that content so they can hopefully know, like, and trust you. Absolutely. Lead Pop Culture Corner. Pop Culture Corner. All right. Well, it's hard to top last week's Oppenheimer. That was that was kind of the, the peak of I think my whole summer pop culture experience. Um, but I did just get to finish Secret Invasion. Yep. Um, and again, this is we're going to stay spoiler free. Um, what I you've given your thoughts on it before. What what was your now that I've watched it? What was your takeaway? I, I really didn't like how it ended. But the Secret Wars, you know, if this is a precursor to Secret Wars and Secret Wars takes that story and goes with it, sure. You know, I you know, I, I know I talk about Picard season one, two, and three a lot, but like season three ended so well that it 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 redeemed elements of one and two. Didn't perfect it, but it redeemed it. Um and, you know, as opposed to like 
Rise of Skywalker, I didn't feel redeemed. Anything that came before it, it just sure. kind of put the nail in the coffin. Yeah. So Secret Wars could improve upon Secret Invasion, in my opinion. Okay. It's still, like, it It began well, and then it ended up in just, you know, typical superhero punchy punchy. They tried really hard. Yeah, they tried really, really hard. Um, the kitchen scene, though? The kitchen scene, yes. Again, we'll stay a spoiler for yep. you, but that, that still sticks out to me as one of my favorites. Yeah. And again, I am glad that we got to see Samuel L. Jackson acting. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, I I know he, you don't get to be Samuel L. Jackson level without being a great actor, um, but he has been typecast for a long time. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing when you see, like, certain actors, like Robert De Niro, just grumpy Italian yeah, guy. Right. Like, he can act, yeah. too, but, like, no, he's just grumpy Italian guy. Yeah. You know, like, so seeing Samuel L. Jackson, yes, as, um, whoa, uh, What's his name? Fury, Fury. as Fury, still Fury, but the depth that we were able to see that I I would say that was the most redeeming quality of the entire uh, series was watching that development. Uh, yeah, it got it. It seemed like they were trying very hard at the end to make it entertaining and grabbing. Oh, make it a superhero. Yeah, it's right. So I just that's something I like about the shows, and I wish that they would get away from is that that at the end of the show having to have oh it's a superhero thing, so we gotta have superheroes. Like no, the whole thing that people liked about MCU over DC is that it was more about the characters right. than it was about the punchy punchy. Yes, yeah. so I'd be fine if you just ended the show without punchy punchy. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, you look at WandaVision, you know, and and here's this is kind of my scale. You have WandaVision that. You just trust the process. If you haven't seen it, and I know there's people still out there that haven't seen it, trust the process, go back and watch it, and know that every single minute of that show is intentional. Sure. That one ended punchy-punchy. I think the one that, that ended the least punchy-punchy for me was Loki. Right. And that was that was going to be my scale, though, where it's, you have, yes, it did. I mean, you have, again, we're trying not to, I don't want to give spoilers for those who haven't seen it. Um, but it it did still end... Marvel, but it fit in the timeline with the rest of the MCU. And I'm talking WandaVision specifically. Loki was able to fit within the MCU so perfectly where it was like, how did I not see this? How did I not know this? And it just kind of started, it, it was such a depth of character and story that I am so excited. Season two is coming out October 6th, I believe. But it's just streaming. Um, and and I've, I don't think I've been more excited about an MCU asset more than i am loki season two i just and i hope they can nail it uh some of the previews look really great but they also look much more epic um and so i'm hoping they we'll see i think i'm i'm gonna i'm in that period of superhero fatigue i think after uh quantum mania uh i that one really was a little bit of a mm-hmm. i don't say nail in the coffin but like just it was fine it, it but it was not um, it was so superhero the movie sure. like half of what I wanted from that movie half of what made Ant-Man a good movie in the yeah. first place they just got omitted and just made it a superhero movie I would say the same thing about um, I also watched uh, Bob, the raccoon Guardians goodness gracious Guardians 3 yeah uh, especially the end the villain yeah. um, I, it had some really good character moments yeah and I, I did really enjoy that but yeah it was like the the antagonist I'm 
you know, it, the funny thing about DC is that a lot of times their antagonists are what drive the movie. Yeah. And in MCU, it's always the heroes that have right. been the interesting characters. Uh, but that foil sometimes, if that, I don't know. I, I, I didn't love the, I, I felt like Guardians uh, subsequently got worse with their villains um, as opposed to better. Yeah. But two still was able to hold on. Two still held on. It, it had the entertaining value. It, it three just it fell flat on so many fronts that yeah I feel like it was in that in that quantum media realm and and I think that's why I I am looking forward to Loki so much is because it did nail it so well and carried the story so well same with thing with WandaVision it carried the story so well I'm very interested to see what they do with that because mm-hmm. um, at least it made sense the I think if you're gonna go if you're gonna go in a new direction like Secret Invasion did go you got to go for it and like um my goodness my brain is failing me did the night rider moon right moon night not night rider i love night rider. rider uh uh moon night moon night completely new storyline completely new character in the so you, that hasn't been i mean obviously it's the mm-hmm. comic book but hasn't been discussed in the MCU movies or shows yet that hasn't come out in the canon and so that was we I was able to say, all right, this is a new individual story that I can really dive into. Secret Invasion, I think it it didn't tie close enough to tie in the continued story. And maybe it will. Maybe again, maybe they'll be intentional and it will. Um, but it just it it didn't tie in enough and it wasn't standalone enough and it just kind of fell somewhere in the middle that was like, meh. Yeah. The ending was meh. Yeah. Um, I can't think of what else. I haven't really watched any movies. I, I finally finished um, Jack Ryan, seasons one through four. Nice. Uh, I, I, I think this is the last season. It made it sound like it was the last season. Yeah. Um, decent ending. I, I, the funny thing about the the Jack Ryan spy thriller I, that I've uh, that's always entertained me is the fact that like you you got to be good at following things. Like they don't, they don't guide you through it at all. It's like, you, yeah. I almost feel like I got to sit there with a notebook. You're like, what's the character's name? And that yeah. guy's a bad guy because of the, you know. yeah. My wife, I literally, I think she just, she, we usually watch shows like that and really enjoy them together, but she kind of tuned out because I think it was like, she, she sometimes will just want to sit there on her phone and look up. I'm sure. Well, and she, you can't do that. No. Chad Ryan. No, I am interested if anyone else leave a comment down below. If you've, if you've noticed this at all, my wife and I have a theory that Jack Ryan is really Jim from the office and that him and Pam got a divorce. There was something traumatic or maybe Pam, you know, unfortunately passes away early and it sets him off on this whole new career. And this is a second identity and it really is Jim from the office. And, and there were, there have been enough clues where it's like, Oh, this really could work. This really could. (laughs) Um, And that makes it so much more enjoyable for me that it, that it really is. uh, Yeah. Jim. Nice. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, Starter Glower Deck Season 4 has been running. I have been enjoying that. Uh, so, uh, really fun first episode of the season. Uh, not too is much of a spoiler. Holmes? Where, or was that a spoof? Okay, so that, you know, that um, so that is Star Trek Short Treks. Okay. Uh, really Short Treks. So, Sh- Short Treks was a, a series that Star Trek did back when Discovery was running and they didn't have many other shows. So, it was kind of a... They spat out a few of these short episodes. They were anywhere yep. from 10 to 30 minutes long. Uh, and so there was a series of those, but they hadn't done them for a really long time because okay. they've been consistently spitting out new shows. Yeah. Um, it's the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, the animated series. It okay. came out in 1973. Dang. Wow. And 
uh, they, as a, a homage, they did, they decided to do this a series of short, super ultra short tracks. They're like three to four minutes long. Yeah. Um, and kind of like the funnier die or, um, those like those type of shorts. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they're, 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 um, animated in the style of Star Trek, the animated series. Sure. So it, it has, uh, but from different Trek episodes, not just the original series, it's different Trek sure. shows. Um, and they, they have a lot of the original cast that came back, but the first episode they have called skin a cat, yep. uh, has Pete Holmes as Cap- I don't know if, I don't know if he's actually Captain Kirk or just they call him Captain. Yeah. So I, I don't know exactly what he's playing, but it's uh it's hilarious. And and they, they basically said this is not canon. These are just funny that one bit. Yeah. Yeah. These are just funny, but it's hilarious. And you gotta go and understand this is not canon at all. So just let it be what it is. It is it is some Trekkies having some fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. And letting them be nerds. Exactly. It's great. Uh they're I feel like a lot of these were the concepts in the writer's room that like were the off the wall like obviously this is not gonna make the show, but we could make a show. Well, I I don't know. It's what's interesting to me is that I'm seeing Star Trek really embrace the wacky stuff. Yeah. Because season two of Strange New Worlds has multiple episodes like that. They have mm. the crossover episode with Lower Decks, which is a comedy episode. And then I believe the following episode is, was the uh, the musical episode, yep. which is also somewhat of a comedy episode. Sure. I mean, it's a mixture of comedy and drama. And then you've got short tracks and obviously Lower Decks has been going on for a while. It's I, I'm just wondering if tonally they're trying to separate themselves from Star Wars or MCU or something like that. I don't know. Like, is yeah. it, you still have like Picard and Discovery and like a lot of these shows that are still fairly serious, but they're, they are embracing comedy in a way that I hadn't seen them do other than like, there were always comedic episodes of, of Trek, uh, trials and triple or uh, trouble tribbles and, yeah. um, trials and tribulations, which was a DS9 episode. And there were a, a few one-offs throughout, uh, the next generation and, and, and stuff like that. They had comedic episodes, but. Modern Trek has been embracing it a lot more. And, you know, when you look at it like a franchise as a whole, how does that, because Trek is, not that it's like crazy serious, yeah. but it's like it, they try to lean towards the seriousness of it without always having the weight of like Star Wars sure. or DC or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So it's just been interesting for me to see. I enjoy it. I enjoy that that they can, oftentimes I'll say Trek is like a buffet and it, you can either eat everything off of the buffet and enjoy it, or you can be like, this is the only section I care about and just eat stuff off of there too. I'm just saying, if they put Pete Holmes in anything, I'm going to watch it. I adore that man. Yes. Yep. Um, so my last bit of, uh, of uh, Pop yeah. Culture Corner is Starfield. Um, okay. I I don't always pick up games right when they come out, yeah. um, mainly because crazy busy schedule. I, I do have quite a bit of a backlog too, so there's that. Uh, I, I own hundreds, thousands of games, actually. Uh, I started adding up all the games that I own, like board games, mobile games, console games, yeah. anything that was a, constituted as a game. And I, I hit about 3,000 and I stopped counting. So that was just, <laughs> I, I'm a collector yeah. as, as well. So anyways, with having that many, I'm, I'm never going to get through them all in, sure. in this lifetime. Um, so I, I don't always, usually what I'll do is I'll wait till they go on a deep sale and then I pick yeah. it up because I'm like, ah, even if I pay 15 minutes of it, you know, it was worth the $5 this trip. But I was like really interested in Starfield. And even though the reviews on it were mixed to positive, okay. um, 
a lot of people complaining that they, you know, I think a lot of the bad reviews were hopes and expectations more than sure. reality. Yeah. Like, how oh, would be great if this game also did this? I think yeah. space sim games, space RPGs, people always put massive expectations sure. in them. They want it to be the end all be all. Yeah. Um, you have games like Star Citizen, No Man's Sky that, that have promised stuff that was close to that, yeah. but then they still never quite got there. And essentially, Starfield is Skyrim, Oblivion, or whatever in mm -hmm. space. Sure. And for me, that works so well. Yeah. I played Oblivion to completion, but I could never get into Skyrim. I know it's sacrilegious <laughs> to say, but like yep. I could never get, could never grab me the way that Oblivion did. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was just a stage of life that I was in or what. Sure. And I've literally bought Skyrim like three different times. <laughs> I, I or actually four different times. I had it on my PS3. I had it on my PC. Then I got it in VR, and then I got it on Switch. And I was just trying to get into it each and every time, and I could just could never do yeah. it. But Starfield has been doing it for me. Nice. I'm really enjoying it. It's it's what I want from a game, which is just something that that sits in the back of my mind. I can't wait to play it again. Uh, I enjoy it during that time. But it also, from a stage of life thing, I love that I can stop the game at any moment. I can be in the middle of combat, shooting somebody. I can pause it, save the game, shut it off. Yeah. I boot it up. I'm exactly where I left off. That's I'm like, nice. why can't games do this? Yeah, instead of going back to the previous checkpoint. Or, right. Yeah. And again, like when I, if I can't remember what the heck I was doing, the game's just like, here's your last objective. Here's where it is on the map. Go there. Like, thank you that I can, you know, I don't have to remember the all the mm -hmm. the details. I don't have to have a notebook that right. you get back into. Um, and then also, like, I've been playing it. Like, we recently got fiber at our house. Yeah. Uh, and then I upgraded to a Wi-Fi 6E router. And I've been using my my phone uh, and using uh, with a, an external controller, and I've been playing it uh, just remote play off of my Xbox. And again, the ability just to kind of boot it up instantly and play that. Yeah. That, for me, was the thing that I really enjoyed about the Switch, was that I could just kind of turn it off and then turn it back on and be playing. And I, it, it's not quite as seamless as that, but it's pretty darn close. Sure. So sometimes I only got 10, 20 minutes to play at, 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 during the day. And yeah. I could do something in that 10 to 20 minutes. And I don't know. It's, again, right now, Starfield is really hitting uh, a lot for me, and I've just been enjoying that. Nice. Thought. Nice. This felt very pop culture -y. Super pop. Very cornery. Yeah. So that was nice. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Make sure you click like if you're still around. Click like. Hit subscribe if you like what you're coming here for. And uh, we'll keep putting it out for you.